a little bit light on this side of the auditorium tonight, but uh, I'm sure we'll persevere through it. Glad to be here. I have the opportunity to share a portion of God's Word with you this evening, especially uh, we should remember to pray for our pastor in the, as he's away uh, working in the field there in uh, Missouri. If you would uh, turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, this is a very, very, very familiar chapter of God's Word. <clears throat> We're going to look at one particular verse, but uh, when it begins by talking about that there is now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, and then continues on <clears throat> speaking of many wonderful things about the matters of, of life, of service, and uh, really, um, in this, in this chapter, um, probably contains some of the verses that are um, some of the most important, most weighty verses that talk about our eternal security that we have in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at some of those this evening. Uh, let's pick up the commentary then at uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 33. The Bible says, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow, let's pray. Wonderful Father, we do thank you for the opportunity to assemble before you this evening for the matter of worship. Thank you for blessing me in this past days and week as, I, as you put my heart to study out this message. Lord, I uh, pray that it could be uh, as much a blessing to those in this congregation as it has been to me. We're thankful, God, that we can know your word, that we can trust every word of it. Lord, uh, the very truth that as your blood-bought children, you have a special hope for us, a special plan. We can have all confidence in our great God and Savior for now and eternity. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to focus on verse 37. Let's go back and read that, and then we'll do some commenting. Paul wrote there, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Paul is saying here, well, you know, considering everything that has just been written about, all the tribulation and stuff and the things that they were going to go through, 
he said, notwithstanding all these pressures and trials, um, I'm going to deliver you through them. Um, he very graphically describes that, the things that, that may beset or were besetting Christians and may beset us one day. Um, and he says, nay, in all these things, and we've just read there, he iterates then all these things that the tribulations and distress, persecution and so on, that <clears throat> we're led to believe were common in the Christian world in those days. Uh, when we look at the lives of the men of the apostles and what, what from, starting from what the Lord went through in his ministry, the opposition, and then as the gospel message began to go out through, <clears throat> through uh, uh, Asia Minor, through Asia and into Europe, um, even though there was great success to the point where the Bible says that those Christians turned the world upside down and how they changed it, it was not without opposition. Uh, what went on in the Colosseum of Rome in turning Christians to the lion was a real thing. Um, the fact that, that in those days, the, anybody that was could be named as an enemy of the state if they were, any, if they were of any other religion than, than the state religion in different uh, these sects of countries. So he then says, but in those verses, verse 35, 38 and 39, I'm not going to go back over them, but what I want to point out is two, two phrases in here that I think we should hang on. In verse 35, he says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Okay, it's a good question. He's, he's already answer, he's going to answer that. And in, in verse 39 it says, uh, it says, Neither height nor depth or any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And as I said, in these, in these verses contain some of the strongest statements concerning concerning the eternal security of the believer. Once you're saved, you're always saved. That's a Baptist doctrine that's right 100% from the Bible. And in these verses, they describe some of the things that, that people had been going through, were going through, and would go through, and some of the things that, that we may go through in this world today. Um, I want you to note that things that God will sustain us through. So let's look then in verse 35. It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall tribulations. The Greek word used here literally means pressure. The word properly refers to the pressure from without. It talks about afflictions arising from external causes. It means trial of any kind. Um, outward tribulations require inward strength. Um, God is working in us to conform us to the image of his son that we'll be able to draw upon the strengths of God to meet the needs in times of great stress. And when it talks about tribulation, we're not talking about the tribulation. The things that are being enumerated here uh, echo in part what Jesus talked about in the last days, 
in Matthew chapter 24, that there would be wars and rumors of wars, famine and pestilences and so on, in leading up to the time of, the, of, the time of his return. Well, <clears throat> believers, uh, we don't have to worry about God taking care of us in the tribulation because we're not going to be here. That tribulation is going to be for the lost world that does not, make the, does not respond to the call to repent and believe the gospel message. But there is certainly going to be tribulation and turmoil <clears throat> as we see intensifying even as it's in the world today. Um, and while God wants us to draw upon his strength, he says we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. Again, that's talking about that inward spiritual strengthening, that spiritual backbone, that spiritual muscle that helps us to endure afflictions. In 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4, I believe it is, he said, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. <clears throat> there, the Christian soldier can and will, male or female, go through some things in this life. Uh, we've had much, much, much good, very good teaching on, on what to expect in the future at the hands of the world system as, as they intensify their, their stranglehold on this world and on the freedoms of men. <clears throat> and it's good to know and understand that we can be prepared for that which is coming. Uh, the soldier doesn't go in, that goes into battle, the soldier goes into uh, to battle, he's had training, he knows what to expect, he can get the most done on the battlefield. In the same way, the Christian soldier is not fighting uh, against the world, but for the souls of men. I really believe that in the, as we come into the last, last days before the rapture, before we're taken out of this world, uh, that the... Uh, that our testimony may mean more then than any other time in our existence. As, as these wars and rumors of wars and trials and famines and so on, not just on Christianity, talking about the whole world. That many will begin to, to lose hope in the belief systems that they're holding on to for their survival. And they may then begin looking to us for some answers. And of course, Satan is diametrically opposed to everything that, that we would do for the Lord. But, but God has promised us that he'll help us to go through these things. He said we're more than conquerors through him that loved us, the Lord Jesus Christ. And while God wants to use those, those trials of our faith that are more precious than gold to temper us, you know, to hammer out some of the dross. The, you know, I've used that analogy many, many, many times from this pulpit. The best steel comes from the, from the hottest heat and the most pounding. It gets out the impurities out of that steel. And so... The good that can come from the trials, the tribulations, the testings that we go through is that it hammers out some of the, some of the dross, some of the impurities. It causes us to rest more in the strengths of the Lord rather than our own. 
Satan wants to steal, while God wants to use our trials to strengthen us, to be a benefit to us. Satan wants to use trials, persecutions, tribulations, and so on to, to, comp, to, comp, to get the Christian to compromise and quit. I remember very, very, very well Pastor Humphrey's themes and some of the, the teaching and preaching I remember. He said, as a Baptist, you don't compromise and you don't quit. You don't compromise what's in this book and you don't quit doing what you know to do. That's part of our reasonable service. And so this tribulation, it's going to be real. It can take many kinds of, of uh, physical forms. But then it talks about distress. Uh, back there again in, in verse 35. It says, shall we separate us? What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress? This word properly means narrowness of place. It talks about great anxiety or distress of the mind, such as what arises when a man doesn't know where to turn or what to do or what to, where to go for relief. It refers, again, to distress or anxiety of the mind. Paul wrote of this in, to the church at Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5. If you want to turn over there quickly. <clears throat> Paul went through a lot in his life. Most of these things that, that he writes about, he had personally um, experienced himself in one way, shape, or form. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 5, it says, For when we were coming to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without were fighting, and within were fears. So what do you do about this? Well, even as I was uh, beginning to think on this message last, uh, last week, and when Pastor was preaching on and uh, preaching from Psalm 37, I want you to turn over there. There's some good lessons that, that deal with some of this mental, this inward stress or distress that can come upon us through pressures from the world, Fightings and fears, concerns, some legitimate, some not. David the psalm writer said, fret not. That word fret uh, can mean to eat away, to irritate, to vex, to annoy, to worry. Well, the advice is from God, fret not thyself because of evildoers. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall, soon shall be cut down like the grass and wither as a green herb. And then, then what caught my eye and always has, I've, I've loved this psalm for a long time. Here's the key. Here's the key for dealing with stress in your life. Trust in the Lord and do good. Verse 3. Verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord. Verse 5. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Verse 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Verse 8, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself any wise to do evil. Get close to the Lord. Stay with him. Listen to him. Seek his truth. Don't fly off the handle. Don't let your emotions run amok. 
when you, when, you know, you talk about somebody when they just lose it. Well, um, it can happen, but when you lose it spiritually is when you may probably going to end up running in the wrong direction. We need to make our direction towards Christ in those times of distress, and then we can have relief. Um, the Bible says, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up as eagles, they shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint. When we come into those times when we're going to be tested in that way, uh, just trust in Him. And so we look at tribulations, distress, and the next one is persecutions. Well, it says in Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12 in, in the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 and 12, Jesus said, Blessed, uh, Brother Thomas Smith in his straight paths, he said that to blessedness, in this sense, is to know the favor of God, okay? Who would not want that in their life? To know the favor of God. To know that God is looking over your shoulder. To know that God is going before you, giving you the direction and guidance that you need. Anyway, blessed are those, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you. That means to reproach, to ridicule when you're mocked. And they persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. The key there is falsely. Uh, if you haven't noticed, the drift towards the media and the world system today is, is lies. Very, very uh, effective in using false truths to manipulate people, to cause people to doubt, put them into fear. Fearful people are easy to uh, influence, easy to guide. Um, I'm not going to go into, there's, there's so many things going on in the world today uh, that are absolutely ridiculous in the, in the eyes of God and, and, and men. But the, the the world has become so fearful for their lives, needlessly, that they're, they're what I call the chicken little syndrome. Didn't I use this the last time I was up here preaching? Chicken little. The acorn fell on chicken little's head. And they run off, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. Well, what happened to chicken little was real, but it wasn't as, as, as bad as it was, be, as, as it was perceived. And, uh, but <clears throat> Chicken Little caused a lot of trouble until somebody finally got their head together and they went back and looked and they, and they uh, facts checked what was going on. The problem today with, uh, with our uh, government is that the facts checkers are the facts, are the people that are writing the facts. Anyway. Okay. He says, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward, for so persecuted they the prophets were before you. Um, those things are, the Lord promises that there is going to be blessing when we face these types of persecutions. Uh, that, that word uh, persecution can mean oppression, 
uh, acts, especially on acts of religion, in this, in this case, that Greek word. And so it's something we need to be prepared for. Uh, it also talks about, the next one is famine. The scarcity of food was something that became common to those who were fleeing persecution in the early church, and it was, uh, asymp it was symptomatic of what was, went on for about a thousand years in the Middle Ages as Baptists, the Waldenses, the Bigenses, Paulicians, uh, the Donatists, different groups of Baptists in Europe were sought out and, uh, and persecuted uh, by the Catholic Church. And they faced times when they had to, when they were put out of their villages and their homelands, they didn't, couldn't even get food. Well, <clears throat> that's something we may, may or may not face, but famine is a, is a real life specter in the world today. And in Matthew 24, verses 6 through 8, uh, Jesus said, You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that you be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. And all these are the beginning of sorrows, the birth pangs. Well, that's where we're at right now. Pestilences, famines in Africa and so on. <clears throat> these are things that are coming to pass. Um, and wars and rumors of wars. You know, this, this, last, this is my own personal comment, but what happened between Israel and Hamas would have never had to happen if, if they'd had a president in the White House that would have stood up for Israel. That stuff would have never happened. They wouldn't have dared to do it under President Trump. He'd have done something about it. All those lives were needlessly lost because of poor leadership in our government. Well... We're still, <clears throat> we're still trying to hold the line against Hezbollah in Afghanistan. They want to take the, the uh, soldiers out of Afghanistan. Let's ask you one question. Would you rather fight the enemy on his ground or have him come and fight on your ground? Ask those people in Europe. Ask those people in Russia. Ask those people in Japan that had their country ravaged by war. Well... Think about it. But famine is going to be one of, the <clears throat> one of the things that the world is going to face in the last days. I don't know how long it is until the Lord's coming, but as, as the birth pangs increase, these, the reality of these things are going to become more and more known worldwide. How do I know that? Because that's what God says. That's what God says is going to happen. And that's why our pastor, that's why we're getting prepared to meet the challenges, the spiritual challenges that we have before us. The persecutions, the tribulations, the distress, and nakedness. Well, that means literally to be stripped of clothing. We know that they stripped the Lord when they hung him on the cross uh, to humiliate him. It also can mean uh, to be stripped of dignity and brought to shame, which is something that they're working on now to try to do with, with Christians, with believers. And it speaks of perils. Well, perils is, speaks of danger of any kind. This is how 
Paul described perils. Uh, if you have your Bible, turn over to 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-six, and we'll look at those. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26. <clears throat> Paul speaks of perils in, in that chapter of the Bible. He says, in journeyings often in perils of waters, perils are danger, times of trepidation, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, that was the non-Jews, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. Virtually everywhere Paul went, he faced danger, but he had God as his side, and he, he persevered it, persevered through it. Night and a day in the, in the ocean, beatings and so on from his countrymen and from, and from, uh, from other uh, sources, but he never compromised, never quit. And that's an attitude that we need to have inculcated in our own minds and lives. And it also says that uh, perils and, and the sword. Um, this can literally mean just that. In the, in, the, in the book of Revelation, it talks about the, uh, the, the, the saints that are at the throne, of the, uh, the throne of God that had been beheaded for their faith. Well, they face the sword. Uh, when it gets very into the, the tribulation, that the, uh, at the, the time of the tribulation, I believe that's going to be a reality that Christians are going to face. Incarceration martyrdom, uh, and coming up to that, it, it's talking about judicial punishment. I believe that we're going to, and are seeing, will see a return to what's called a sacral society in our country, and that's where, <clears throat> where a, the belief system and the political system are welded together. This is the way it was in most of pagan religions. You either, either bowed to the idols or... <laughs> Under Catholicism, it was assimilate or die. Uh, the sword of the of the magistrate went right along with the with the, the with the priest as he went out. I've seen many many uh, paintings of the conquistadores going into to, uh, Mexico and uh, South America, when they landed on the, on the seashore, the conquistador put down the flag. That symbolized that he was taking the land for, the, for Spain, and standing right behind him was the priest getting ready to, to claim the land for Christ, as they saw it. And of course, they got their share of the loot when they went in and, and made their way into the riches of those countries. So, these things are gonna happen. But try as Satan might, he cannot wrest us from the hand of God. Through all these things, we are more than conquerors. John 6, 39, it says, And this is the Father's will, which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And he's talking about you and me, the souls of men, saved people. And he says then that we're more than conquerors. Well, what's this about? 
It was interesting that this, this uh, phrase, uh, more than conquerors, are all one word. The term conqueror, first of all, it indicates that we're going to face different types of conflict in life, both seen and unseen enemies. If we're truly conquerors, then this will indicate that we have been in conflict with the enemies of Christ. Again, I've said we're not fighting against the world's people. We're for, fighting for the souls of men. That's the contest. That's the great contest that's going on in the world right now. Satan is working his will to bring in about the, the, his own kingdom. And he's marshalling people by the millions, keeping, keeping them in spiritual darkness. Well, it's our, it's our duty to take the light of the gospel to them. Um, the Greek word used here for this phrase, uh, more than conquerors, is hooper nikao. Hooper means exceeding and nikao means victory. We're literally super conquerors. Nothing in the end can touch us. 1 Corinthians 5.57 it says, but thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that word victory there is related to these, <clears throat> these others it's spoken of. Uh, it's Nike. Nike. Nike, we say. Victory. So when you guys, when you put on your, on your Nikes, you're putting on your victory, your victory shoes. It's interesting how some of the companies, they've used uh, terms from, uh, from other languages to describe their products. <clears throat> when you drive by the Tesoro station, you ever think about what that? You know what Tesoro means? It means treasure. Oro is treasure. Tesoro means treasure. So when you go in there and you buy your gas, you're, make, you're giving treasure to the, it's a treasure station for Tesoro. Okay, I don't buy gas there. So anyway, um, but this is what we're talking about, that we have victory, we can have confidence in our Savior that we're going to be more than conquerors uh, in the spiritual sense. In the spiritual sense. Um, Paul said to live is Christ and to die is gain. He went through everything in his contest for the Lord. <clears throat> he didn't compromise. He didn't quit. And he could say that, he says that we are more than conquerors. He was claiming to have conquered what? Well, we'll talk about some of these things in just a little bit. He said, we all can be a part of that group of winners. Everybody likes to be a winner. Well, I'll tell you what, <clears throat> the world might, might label us, and as he feels the persecution and distress and the tribulations, we're going to be called all kinds of things, and probably losers will be one of the, one of the mildest. But you need to remember, we're more conquerors. We that have Christ. It's the world's people that are in jeopardy 
for when they, when they leave this world, you know, <clears throat> millions in, of souls leave this, this existence every day. And most of them, just like a conveyor belt, you know, it's carrying the, carrying the gravel up to the, you know, to the, to the truck. It goes up and it travels the path and then it's dumped and it's gone. That's what happens to those lost souls. They're spending their time in this existence. And there's that time when they're just going to fall off the edge. They're going to go right into the center of the earth and experience the fires of hell. There'll be no, no, no way for them. There is no winning the battle against the Lord. Well, sometimes it might not look or feel like we're conquerors when we're going through trials when you're going through stuff, personally. Uh, some trials in life we foresee and we can deal with it as we go and some are not foreseeable. Uh, there was a story about one of the, one of the big fires that got going in, uh, in Southern California and a photographer for a national magazine was assigned to get photos one of the great fires, and it was going already so, so bad that the smoke was so intense he really couldn't get any good pictures on the ground. So he asked his home office to hire a plane so that he could get some aerial uh, photography. And so the home office made arrangements and he was told to go at once to a nearby airport where a plane would be waiting. So he rushes to the airport and he when he gets at the airport, there's a plane sitting on the, on the ramp, idling, and uh, he jumps into the plane, and the pilot uh, puts the plane into the wind, and soon they're in the air. And the, pilot, the, the photographer yells to the guy, fly over the north side of the fire and make three or four low passes. Why, asked the pilot, the photographer said, because I'm going to take pictures, cried the photographer. I'm a photographer, and photographers take pictures. And the pilot looked at him for a moment, and Ed said somewhat incredulously, what? You mean you're not the instructor? Well, those two men, in a point in time, found themselves in a very, very difficult situation, uh, life-threatening. It's pretty easy to take an airplane off. It's getting back down safely, that's the trick. Well, there's gonna come things in your, my life that we can plan for and prepare for, and there's some things that we're literally gonna get blindsided by, just like that photographer and that pilot. Uh, what do you do? Well, in their case, you better hope that, one, that, that, that guy could get that thing down uh, without killing them. But when we find ourselves in, position, in positions like that, what we have is God on our side. Remember, go back to Psalm 37. Trust in Him. Commit your way to Him. Seek His face. Seek His strength and power, and you can re and will receive relief. Um, and you know, if you haven't been to that time in your life where you face something like that, if you have length of life, I guarantee you that you will. 
not a scare story. It's what, it's what God is talking about here. For the, the things that, that was going on in Paul's day are going on in our world today. And how are you and I going to react to those things? Well, the Bible again says that we're more than conquerors. First John chapter 5, verses 4 through 5, answers the question, just who are these overcomers, these conquerors? Well, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 says, Whosoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory, Nike, that overcometh the world, that's Nikao. Remember, that's another term for, for conqueror. So even our faith, which is he that over who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. And so the overcomer, Paul used that term about 17, 18 times in the Bible to talk about believers. And most of them were found in the book of Revelation. Believers are not going to go through the stress of, the, of what in the great, the, great, uh, the great tribulation, but nevertheless, what we are going to go through is similar in its intensity and the things that uh, can bring jeopardy to our life. Uh, but it's our faith that gives us the victory. We sing that hymn, right? Faith is the victory. Well, we'll look at a little bit about what that victory is. But how do you become an overcomer? The answer to this is supplied in that preceding verse. It's our faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, to repent and believe on the, the gospel of Christ. To those that he has given, uh, to them that have believed on him, he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Not that Jesus' name is a passing fancy, but from the heart, the burden of sin becomes real. And that confession becomes real before God for that sin. And so what exactly do we overcome? Well, nothing very much. Just sin and death and hell. Um, the world mocks Christians. And to the lost world, this doesn't mean very much. But I guarantee you, when every lost soul leaves this world, they're going to know the truth about their sin and the righteousness and judgment to come. That that revelation that God gave every, each and every individual, he gives every individual a little bit of light, a little bit of spiritual understanding that he talks, that talks about in, in the early chapters of Romans, that he gives every, every person's conscience a spiritual a knowledge of something greater than him. And he gives the revelation in nature through the, the sun, the moon, the stars, the things of, of this world to show that, that there's a, the reality of God, a designer, a creator. But for those that have rejected all those overtures of God, there can be nothing for them. They'll win nothing when they leave this world but eternal punishment. Most of the world, uh, 
believes they're getting by pretty good. Uh, never, most people uh, don't believe that they're bad enough to go to hell, and they don't believe they're also not bad enough to get to, get to heaven. Well, the truth is, your hopes, unless they're founded in uh, Scripture, will bring you not. For the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Physical death is one thing that we're all going to experience. Spiritual death is what's being talked about, separation from God. <clears throat> separation from God and having a relationship with him, eternal separation from God where that soul will spend an eternity in the, in the lake of fire paying for their, for their sin debt. Uh, in uh, Ezekiel chapter 18, twice it says, the soul that sinneth it shall die. Uh, death is not a good thing. Death can, physical death cannot be averted. Spiritual death can. The lost person is dead spiritually. That's why Jesus said, lest you be born again, you cannot know the kingdom of heaven. There has to take a spiritual change, the washing and renewing, the washing of the Spirit and renewing of the, of the Holy Spirit, washing and regeneration. There has to be a spiritual change that takes place inside. That's the work of the Holy Spirit when we repent and trust in Him. James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15 says, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it bringeth forth, bringeth forth death. Again, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, we all share a sin nature. When it says that the wages of sin that is death, that's what we've got coming for the violations of God's word. It says in, in Revelation chapter 20 that all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire which burns with fire and brimstone. One unconfessed lie is enough to consign you to the fires of hell. You say, well, that's not fair. Well, you're not making the rules. God is. You better get that figured out while you have time. Okay, so Jesus said... But Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. That word strengtheneth is a Greek word having its root in dunamis, that same, that same type of, of power that was, uh, was gifted upon the, on the apostles and the, and the early church in that upper room. God's power. That's what we're enabled with. So... <clears throat> Let's go back. You have your finger there in Romans chapter 8. Let's look at verse 18. When I was saved back in August of 1982, the man that led me to the Lord, Brother Ron Gideon from this <coughs> from Blackwood Baptist Church, uh, and that was the old church over the fellowship hall, he said, 
this was the first verse that he showed me after I was saved. Because he said, Jim, things are going to happen in your life uh, as a Christian. He says, verse 18 says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. God's glory is heaven. There's no glory in this world. Paul talks about them that he had justified, them he'd sanctified, them he'd glorified. It's a done deal if you're a born-again Christian that your heavenly home awaits you. You see, that's why we're conquerors. It's not what we get in this world, it's what we have coming in the next. So I really believe this is a key verse for us today as we face an uncertain future. We will not have to experience the horrors of the tribulation, but if we have length of life, we will certainly experience at least some of those things that we've talked about tonight. God says, but you're more than conquerors. through him that loved us, through Christ. I believe this. Do you? Okay. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, I challenge you to make that, this the moment in time that you would make that choice. Uh, if you want to be a winner in matters spiritual, come to Christ, confessing your sins, be born into his forever family. And you can be a conqueror, you can be a winner too. Okay, Brother Jordy.